Hi, everybody, and welcome to our episode on computational thinking versus computer science. Uh, a quick preface, you'll notice in our introduction, Amal and I kind of use the words computer thinking versus computational thinking. That's because we're still learning. These are legit questions we have, and it was only through our conversation with George that we learned the difference between computer thinking and computational thinking. We are more the wise for it now, but wanted you to know that we knew, uh, we thought about changing it out, but realized it's probably best to model the kind of learning that we're talking about in each episode. So sit back, enjoy, and learn along with us. Hi, I'm Amal Gignes. And I'm Zach Chase. Zach, we're both here. Yes, we are. We are. We are both present. And I think that only one of us knows what we're talking about today. I mean, a little bit, a little bit. I have to admit, I was glad when this question came through because I don't know the answer and I've kind of been wondering and maybe a little bit faking it. So Ooh, I'm happy to hear you say that. That's bringing me a little bit of comfort because I have no idea and I can't even fake it. All right. Perfect. So here, here's what we got. We have had a couple of folks uh, ask, what is the difference between CS and CT? I don't even know what we're saying. That's alphabet soup. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to give you as much information as I have. And then I think we should probably talk to somebody who's smarter than us. Okay. I think that's always a good idea. So the question is, what's the difference between computational thinking and computer science? Ooh. I don't know what computer thinking is. Computer sciences and computational thinking. What is computer I mean, thinking? You, you know, you know, yeah, like a uh, uh, saber, saber to my to my guts. And you were like, "Oh, Zach, what's the difference?" Uh, I would, I would honestly just have to say one of them is science and one of them is thinking. And I don't feel like that's probably the best answer. They both start with computer. Is not a very good answer. Um, no. Yeah. No. Um, so, all right. What I'd love to do before we talk to somebody who's a little bit smarter than us, let's both make our guess. Mm -hmm. So what would you guess the difference between computational thinking and computer sciences is? Um, my guess would be that computer thinking has something to do with the ways we engage with computers. I, th I wonder if computer thinking is the more like human engagement side of things, whereas computer science is more, what is the technology capable of? Okay. My guess would be, Computer sciences is more about the kind of programming and building of computers and things that run on computers. And computational thinking has more to do with the kind of logic behind computers and how they operate. Like there's a whole different kind of if this, then that way of thinking that computers require. And maybe they're not too separate. I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited to talk to an expert about it. Yeah, let's talk to somebody a little bit smarter than us. This episode of Your EdTech Questions is brought to you by ISTE Membership. ISTE members have access to over 20 topic-based professional learning networks that bring together educators from around the world with shared interests and job roles. Participate in PLNs to ask questions, find out what works, and share successes and, let's not call them failures, but needs. Get started today at isti.org slash PLNs. I 
Uh, so we've got George Valenzuela here. Yes, sir. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Zach. So, George, the the short of this is that you are you have your hand in so many different efforts and organizations around thinking about the way we teach and learn, and then kind of the content that we teach and learn as well. Is that a fair a fair statement? Yeah. So, in essence, what I'm doing is helping the teachers and your schools simply align educational policy, the needs of the workforce, and good research, good teaching practice into their work with students. Do you come at that as a teacher? As an educational coach. So part is instruction, part is understanding how policy works, and part is understanding the needs of the workforce, as well as what teaching looks like. And so I do a lot of modeling and I do a lot of helping them with their lesson plans. Okay. Now, Amal and I were mulling this over. So this question came from actually not just one educator connected to ISTE, uh, but a number of different educators uh, connected to ISTE, um, sort of connected to some recent events. Uh, ISTE is hosted around computer science. And so uh, the big question uh, and uh, was, what is the difference between computer science and computational thinking? And I posted it to you, Amal, and you said... I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you said, I have no idea. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so we are both coming at this completely uh, kind of ready to sit at your feet and, and, and suck in all of this new knowledge. So could you take us through what to you is the difference between computer science and computational thinking? Sure, sure, sure. Well, let's start with computer science. Computer science is part of computing education, and computer science is the foundation for all computing. So in essence, what computer science is, is the study of computers and the algorithmic design processes in both hardware and software, their applications, and the overall impact on society. On the other hand, what computational thinking is, is a problem-solving skill that involves decomposition, abstraction, pattern recognition, and algorithmic design. Now, I recommend starting computer science here because computational thinking is both a foundational and higher order problem-solving skill that is understandable to both machines and humans. And so let's say some of our kids don't want to become computer scientists. Understanding computational thinking provides them the know-how for how problems are solved in the creation of the technologies they use every day. It's simply good awareness. So George, I'm really glad that you explained that the way you did, because as a classroom teacher myself and as a former classroom teacher yourself, you have a pretty clear understanding of what we need to know in general as teachers, like what we need to keep in mind. What would you say are the most important pieces of these issues for you know, general classroom teachers to know? about um, computational thinking or um, computer science in general? Well, about both. I'm actually curious about both, yeah. yeah. Both, okay, so, okay. so let's start with computational thinking, right? And I'm actually, I was working in, in Henrico this morning at a middle school, helping a teacher um, walk through a project with seventh graders. And so we tackle computational thinking before we even get into coding. And so let's start with decomposition, okay? There's four elements, right? Decomposition helps learners break down complex problems into easier to understand or manage pieces. The best way to start is with a task that the kids already do and most likely do well, like brushing their teeth, tying a shoelace, or even baking a cake. Pattern recognition is mapping similarities and differences in decomposed problems. And it's an important skill to have for making predictions. 
Now, this can be introduced to students by showing them images of, let's say, various animals or even desserts, but not limited to. And abstraction, which is my favorite element, is simply removing the fluff or what you don't need. And I think it's crucial for everything we do in our lives, not just computer code, to remove the fluff. Can you give us an example of what removing the fluff looks like? Because I'm, I'm picturing like tearing the stuffing out of a, of a teddy bear, and I, I'm pretty sure that's not what you mean. Okay, so let's say if you're solving a problem, let's say, and I'll take an unplugged problem. Let's say if I have to change a tire, okay? If I'm changing a tire, I'm not thinking about if I need gas or not. I'm thinking about what are the tools I need and what the steps are in changing my tire. I'm not thinking about anything else. And so that is a very important problem-solving skill, to know how to abstract unnecessary information. And when kids understand that, then as a programmer or as a coder, then that will help them as they're working on their algorithms. So can I give an example that, that might make sense and you tell me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm hanging on? I'm sure you're good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out in a minute. Uh, okay. So in Amal's English class, uh, if she's having ninth graders take a look at a draft of an essay to see if they've got a good thesis statement, then that kind of abstraction piece is going to be saying, well, I don't actually need to look at all the body paragraphs and conclusion. I just need to kind of narrow in on that that thesis statement in the first paragraph. And I don't need to worry about spelling or I don't need to worry about uh, punctuation or grammar or those components. I'm really just looking like I'm looking for the thought component here. Would that be a good example of abstraction in maybe an English language arts con- context? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And that's why I said it's a cross-curricular skill that can be taught and applied in more than one class. And it's a concept that if you get the concept first, then the practice becomes a lot easier. Amal, did you hear that? I'm smart. <laughs> you really showed us, Zach. I think Zach already knew that, though, Amal. I think he I really did not. That. No, this no? is my first. We we both came at this question completely like, I don't know the answer. Uh, but George, you said there were four pieces, and that's just three. Oh, and algorithmic design. Okay. And that's basically is creating step-by-step algorithms. And that's pretty straightforward. That's very straightforward. If you want to teach kids what an algorithm is initially, you can say, hey, what are the steps in in making a sandwich, you know, peanut butter and jelly, or what are the steps in tying your shoes? So when they understand what steps are, then they can apply that concept into the practice of coding eventually. Okay. So then... I've got, so we, I, I think I'm getting it, uh, right? We've got computational thinking, which is the kind of the mindset that is helpful for kind of building and coding and doing those things. And then computer science is the using of those tools and applying that mindset. For the algorithmic design of hardware and software and okay. their applications. Makes sense? So, uh, yeah, and I think it's pretty clear from this conversation uh, that I am not a coder. Amal, are you a coder? I'm not a coder. I've dabbled okay. and have realized that I don't have the patience to do it. If you were in Amal's classroom and you were gonna you're gonna work through this kind of coding component, mm-hmm. would you do you see it as oh we need to we need to get kids to do these four kind of pieces of computational thinking before we get to the actual computer science, or do we use computer science as a mechanism to get to the computational thinking? I would start computational thinking first unplugged with no ed tech. I would just start, yeah, I would start 
in helping them correlate these elements to things they already know. Once you're able to, to tap into someone's prior knowledge, then it's easier to help them learn something new. And, and the reason why is this. Subconsciously, we already do a lot of these things anyway. So it's just a matter of being much more conscious about it. All right. That makes sense. So, And also, okay. don't forget, Zach, okay, it takes about 25 years to, to develop a computer scientist. It takes time. It's not a one, two, three thing. It doesn't happen in one semester. It doesn't happen in one year. It needs to start like in like a, um, it should be a K through 12 systemic process. And George, one of the things I love about what you're saying is that computational thinking has value even for learners who don't want to become computer scientists, right? Even if that's not the ultimate objective, that this type of thinking really yes. is relevant. And yes. uh, as, as someone like myself who, you know, I teach students English um, and literature and writing, um, one of the things I would want to know is what are ways that I can learn more about this as an educator? What would you suggest that teachers approach? Like how would you ex- suggest that we get resources for um, getting a deeper understanding about this? If you just want the information, then I would look at the ISTE standards for students and incorporating them into your lessons. These standards have clear indicators for a computational thinker. And even ISTE has standards for computer science teachers. And of course, I would try and attend um, a code.org training and maybe join the, the um, Computer Science um, Teachers Association. And I would consider ISTE like as an overall hub for everything computer science. I would check out ISTE blog, ISTE books, and ISTU for a class. And would you say that even for somebody who's coming at it as a social studies and English uh, teacher? Not necess- I mean, if, if Amal isn't necessarily going to build computer science in, would you say that this is still a helpful, a helpful thing to try out? Yeah, I would definitely look into ISTE for those resources I just mentioned. They have a very good, um, I'd say a plethora, like a wide variety of different ways of learning about computer science and understanding it. But I would really incorporate it into a project okay like like ever hear of dewey of john dewey oh we are familiar with john dewey (laughs) okay so for our audience right you know john dewey is one of the major constructivist theorists and the father of progressive education and he promoted learning by doing but also with reflection for metacognition and i always share with teachers one dewey quote where he said we don't learn from experience we learn from reflecting on experience So for deeper learning, I highly encourage teachers to teach computer science in some form of experiential learning. Experiential learning is learning by doing and also reflection, like in PBL, project-based learning. Right. One of the things I'm I'm looking at, you mentioned ISTU, and I thought, oh my gosh, how can I do this? And I just pulled it up and write, Introduction to Computational Thinking for Every Educator starts January 22nd, 2019. So... And I heard that my article is part of the class. So I actually wrote an article and I even did a webinar. It's called How to Develop Computational Thinkers. And oh my that's gosh. a great place to start. And George, I know you have a lot of uh, other folks on Twitter who you would recommend educators follow. So we will make sure that all of those tags uh, get included in the show notes so that people can kind of click and follow at the, at their leisure. So that'll be really great because I think it's also important to build that community because just having this conversation, I don't know, Amal, I feel like I know a little bit more than I did at the beginning. 
I certainly know more than I did at the beginning. And I really love, George, the way you expressed this to us about thinking about not just the ways that we can um, present this and give this type of learning to our students, but also the ways that it can enrich our own practices. And I thought that was really powerful. You've explained this in a way that has made it seem so much more accessible than I previously thought it was And thinking about the ways that Zach and I talk so much about project-based learning and inquiry-driven education and the role of innovation and technology in the classroom. And the way you've presented this has made this seem really so much more um, doable. Um, and I'm sure that for educators all over the country where you go, you are able to share this knowledge and these resources. So thank you so much, George. Thank you so much, Amal. Mal, I have a question for you. Okay, Zach. Did George help us turn this EdTech question into an EdTech answer? I think we have successfully turned this EdTech question into an EdTech answer. With more answers on the way, I feel really excited about all of the resources <laughs> that I can check out from here. Oh, yeah. I've got a lot more interneting to do right now, I yes. think. George Valenzuela, thank you so much for helping out. Thanks for coming to the podcast. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, George. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Just a reminder that this episode of Your EdTech Questions is brought to you by ISTE Membership and their EdTech Advisor. You can make informed decisions about EdTech tools and resources to meet learning objectives with EdTech Advisor. It's powered by Learn Platform, and ISTE members can write reviews and see what others have shared about the tools and resources they've used in the past. You can learn more at isti.org slash edtechadvisor. Hey, Amal. Hey, Zach. So that was a lot of information from our friend George. I learned so much. So what about you? I, I, I learned a ton as well. I mean, it's nice when we have a question where we come into it having no answer at all in our heads and then have somebody who I think makes it pretty clear. So Amal, what did you learn about the difference between computer science and computational thinking? I think my biggest takeaway was, because I'm an English teacher, my biggest takeaway was the ways that computational thinking really does fit into the models that I'm already working in, in terms of inquiry-driven education and project-based learning and the ways that our students starting with their observations and starting with the questions that they have can drive their thinking. That computational thinking is a mindset and an approach rather than geared specifically towards learning coding, which I also think is really valuable. I loved learning that in Virginia, that's a very strong push that they're having. Um, and I would love to see that more. Um, and I was really pleased to hear how accessible this is for teachers in all disciplines. What about you, Zach? What did you take away from that conversation? Uh, I think biggest for me, I love a nice framework. So uh, decomposition, pattern recognition, abstraction, algorithmic design, just that those are things I can cling to and a recognition of, oh man, I could see this in every class. I think it's hard for me when we say everybody needs to be coding. Sometimes it feels like everybody needs to be coding all the time in all subjects. And this, I think George helped me realize, oh no, but I definitely want all of my kids to be doing these kinds of computational thinking in every class. Uh, and then maybe that helps support the coding in the same way that I want kids to be writing in every class, right? Right. So for those of you listening at home, in your cars, in your classrooms, wherever you are, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Your EdTech Questions. I'm Zach Chase, at MR Chase on Twitter. And I'm Amal Gickness. You can find me at Hello Homeroom. And when you have an EdTech question, you can tweet at ISTE with the hashtag Your EdTech Questions. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>